Now, now we are in the middle of a series that we're doing called Family Matters. Anybody enjoy this series so far? Come on, it's good. We've just, we've just been walking through the reality of family. We've been talking about family. We, we took the name of the series from an old TV show called Family Matters. We've looked at the double meaning that, that family matters, meaning that family's important, it's a priority. And then also the other, the other meaning that, that there are family matters, that there is just stuff in our family that presents challenges and issues. And, and the reason that we've done this series, and I've said this every week in the introduction, is because we believe that if your family matters to you, and if we trust according to Scripture that your family matters to God, then you better believe that the single greatest target of the enemy is going to be your family. And it is his primary objective, it is his purpose, it is his plan to make sure that there's always something to matter in your family. And what we've done is we've used the Bible, we've used Scripture as the framework of what the ideal family should look like. We've gone to the Bible to say, okay, well, what, what should the family structure you know, model? What, what should be the archetype of the family? What, what, what should the structure of the household be? And so, so we've looked at the Apostle Paul who in so many of his writings to the different churches, the various churches, he wrote about the family, but specifically in Ephesians, he kind of laid out the guideline of the family. And th- this is what he said. He said, husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. Children, obey your parents. And dads, don't irritate your kids. And if you haven't been here at any point of this series, that's okay. That's why we teach in series, because you can jump in at any time. But I want to encourage everybody, go back and listen to the first few weeks, because we really dive in about the structure of the family and how the family should operate. So none of this should, should frustrate you. If anything, you should be encouraged that you're a part of a faith group that actually elevates the status of men, women, and children to remind us that we are all created equal because we are all sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. Come on, help me out right there. And so, so we see the family structure according to the Bible. And now here's what you and I do. We take this and, and we lay it on top of our current family's reality. And what we notice is, is that this is very idealistic. This, this seems like, all right, that makes sense, but... But that's not what my family looks like. My, my family, because we've tried to do family on our own terms, we've tried to do family our own way, we've tried to model our family after what society says or after what culture says, and when we put this, what the Bible says about family, over the top of our current family's reality, we recognize that there's a gap. That we know this is where we should be headed, that, that God's got a purpose, he's got a plan, he's got a calling for our family, but, but this is where we are. We're kind of flatlined, and we see that the difference between the two is this gap. It's this massive gap. God's calling us one way, we're going another way, and here's what happens. And, and you can testify to this truth. Whether we like the reality or not, inside of this gap is a bunch of junk. And inside of that gap is stuff that is pushing us further and further away from each other in our household and ultimately pushing us further away from our relationship with God. In this gap is tension and conflict. In this gap is disappointment and frustration. 
in this gap is hurt and there's pain, there's bitterness, there's resentment, there's, there's poor communication, there's parenting struggles, there's disobedient children, there's money problems, there's stress, there's substance abuse. In some families in this gap, there's physical abuse. In this gap, and if the gap's not confronted, what, what is created is a broken household, a broken family, and that, that's what the enemy loves. He loves for you to say, I quit. His two favorite words are, I'm done. It's over. And if we, and if we, if we think that we don't have to confront the junk in this gap and it'll just fix itself, we're all mistaken. You, you, you can only hide things for so long before they fester. Remember when you were a kid and your mom would say, go clean your room, and you'd shove everything under your bed? Or you'd shove everything in the closet? Some of you are like, when I was a kid, what are you talking about? <laughs> Still do that. Yeah. Eventually, your sins will find you out. And eventually, you, you can brush this stuff under the rug. You can refuse to have hard conversations with your spouse or with your children or with your siblings and pretend like the stuff's not there. Pretend like the matters aren't there. But let me tell you, church, they are there. And if you confront them with grace and with truth, if you confront them with God's love, God, through his son Jesus, will help you bridge the gap. I wish you'd help me preach right now. Come on, somebody. He'd help you bridge the gap. And this, this, has, been, this has been the driving thought throughout the, the first half of this series. We're going to go just a couple more weeks here. We're going to end the whole family series this time around on Mother's Day. So we've got a few more conversations to have before we change direction. But here's the driving thought throughout this whole series. It's okay. I, I, see what, I see what it looks like to do family God's way. I look at my life and my family and see how we're doing family. I, I see the gap. But this is, what, this is what somebody needs to get in their spirit right here. If you're taking notes, write this down. And maybe you've written this down a few times already. But, but I want you to get this in your belly. I want you to get this in your being. I want you to get this in your heart because when the going gets tough, when your back's against the wall, when you feel like throwing in the proverbial towel, when your frustration level reaches a feverish pitch, when you feel like quitting and walking out, it is the words of Christ and the words on the screen here that can drive you from where you are to where God is calling you to be. And th this is the thought. We may not be where we want to be, but we will not settle for less than what we should be. Oh, come on, if you're going to say amen, help me out a little bit. On the count of three, let's read it together. I've done this the last couple of times that we've uh, been together because I want you to say it aloud, not because I need to hear you say it, but I think you need to hear you say it. Some, some of you came here in here today, some of you are watching online, many of you at Go Church, and you think... That your family struggles is what it is. That, that there is no better. That there is no hope. That, that you'll just have to settle. I've come to tell you that the God we serve is not a God of settling. He's a God of more. And I, I don't know all the dynamics within your family. I don't know all the pain that you feel. I don't know how many times you've cried yourself to sleep at night. I've not been in every conversation and every argument. I'm not there, but I do know this, 
that there is no difficulty too big for the God that you serve to help you and your family overcome. Come on, somebody, help me out. And that is the truth across the board. There is nothing too big that your God cannot handle. Come on, help me out. On the count of three, let's say this together. One, two, three. We may not be where we want to be, but we will not settle for less than what we should be. Come on, give Jesus a big round of applause. And our heart has been to help families, to help households, to help husbands and wives and sons and daughters and just, just the, whole, the whole crew, the whole, and I'm talking about me right now, but the whole dysfunctional bunch to recognize that we are human beings and that we're going to make mistakes and that there is going to be a gap, but we do not have to settle we do not have to settle. And so our heart has been, how can we have some honest conversations about closing that gap? Because, again, if those issues stay unaddressed, the gap will grow wider and wider apart, and so will your family. And the dangerous part, the, the scarier part, is that you will grow further away from God. And so we've tried just to look at some of the things within inside of that gap and then address it, you know, face it. Kind of just have an honest conversation about it, and that's what I want to do today. If you remember a few weeks ago when we started this whole Family Matters series, I told you that no two families are identical. No two families are alike, so that makes a conversation like these or conversations like these a little bit more challenging because the culture of a household, the dynamic of a family is just different. Words like mom, dad, brother, sister, husband, wife, father, son, etc., and so on, those are not emotionally neutral words. How you respond when you hear those words are different than probably the person sitting next to you because no two families are identical. But I did say we have two things in common, at least. Number one is this, we did not choose our family. God put you in the family that you're in. God chose for you the family that you have to be a part of. And, and you should embrace that. Uh, we're really good at saying, and quoting Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, but to give you hope in the future. And then we wonder, well, why am I in this family? Because God's got a plan. God has a purpose. And it is a purpose of hope and of a good future. Come on. So, so we didn't get to choose our family, God puts you in that family on purpose and for purpose. The second thing I said we all have in common is this, and you're going to like this one. We all think that we're the smartest person in our family. Come on now. How many of you agree with that? How many of you have said, if everybody would listen to me, we could fix all this mess up right quick? You know what I mean? Because we think that we're the smartest person in our family. But there is a third commonality, and this is the one that I want to sit on for the time that we've been given together today, and this, this is the third thought. Every family has conflict. Come on, let's be, can we be honest today? Everybody good with being a little transparent for a minute? Every family, at times, there are seasons, and some seasons are a little bit more than others, but we all fuss and we all fight. Do not, do not be mistaken. No family is exempt from conflict. As a matter of fact, it was Jesus who said these words. He said, for in this world you will have 
trouble. Now, now you need to know about that word trouble. Some of that trouble is spiritual warfare. And we've talked about that in previous weeks of this series, how we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. And so while, while in our families and in our lives there will be trouble, we have to recognize that some of that trouble is spiritual warfare. But some of the trouble is self-inflicted. It's not the devil's fault. Pardon the grammar, but it ain't God's fault. It's on us. We did it. We're, we're the ones that increased the emotional temperature in our home, and so we try to blame the devil. We try to blame God, but at times you have to recognize, yeah, in this world we will have trouble, whether it comes from the enemy or it's self-inflicted. But then Jesus goes on and he says, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So, so let's talk about conflict in the household for a minute. Let's, let's talk about disagreements for a few moments. Let's talk about, about arguing. Now, now you, you already know this, but, but you need to be reminded, and so does Pastor JC, that whenever you win an argument in your family, you don't really win anything. Now, at work, if you win an argument, they high-five you. In the courtroom or the boardroom, if you win an argument, there is a reward. But every time that you win an argument in the living room or you win an argument in the bedroom, there is no real winner. Now, now you might, depending on your makeup, depending on your personality, you might feel really good because you out-argued the other person, but there is no champion. And, and because there is no champion... Therefore, conflict, whatever the conflict is, whatever the trouble is, whatever the issue is, it is never fully resolved. And watch this. And I'm preaching from my own story, from my own testimony. Watch. You need to know this. Conflict is complicated. Conflict is emotional. And if you don't, if you don't choose to get to the root of the conflict, see, most of your bickering most of your arguing, most of your disagreements, you, you, you are not fighting about the root of the conflict. You're just trying to handle the symptoms of the conflict. I'm preaching better than you're shouting, and that's okay. But, but if you refuse to get to the root of the conflict, that conflict will go on and on and on and on, and it will build momentum, and it will build on top of itself until eventually you get to a point of no return. It's complicated. And here, here's, here's why conflict is so complicated. I'm trying to help you this morning. Conflict is so complicated because every person has a different way to communicate. Everybody processes communication differently. Let, let me talk to some of you for a minute, all right? Watch this. Some, some of you in the room and some of you in your families, your personality is the peacemaker personality. You, you know a peacemaker? They, they never argue about anything. Let, let me tell you, that personality frustrates me so bad. Because if we're going to talk, we're going to talk. Come on, somebody, help me out. They're just like, oh, whatever. 
it's fine, it's good. And if you've ever tried to argue with a peacemaker, if you've ever tried to resolve conflict with a peacemaker, you know how frustrating that can be. Sometimes in my own marriage, I just wish that Kimberly would yell at me. Just, I'd rather you yell at me than just smile and nod. Everything's going to be fine. Sometimes I just need a good yelling. Come on. But Kimberly's such a peacemaker. She never raised her voice. Well, one time she raised her voice. Come on now, somebody. One time. I won't tell you that story. I don't know you that well. But Kimberly is a peacemaker. And that frustrates me. And I don't know if it's her, like, strategic game plan. Like, she knows that the more peaceful she is, the more frustrated I get. But I'm like, if we're going to go, let's go. And she's just like, it'll be okay. And I'm like, you were just like your father. I, I, can't, I can't do this for everyone, but how many of you are the peacemakers? You're the peacemakers. All right, you know what I'm talking about. Then there's another personality, and this personality is the sulker. Some of y'all are sulkers. I didn't call you a sucker. Some, some of you are sulkers. And, and when, I, when, I, when the Lord gave me that thought, this is the image <laughs> that popped into my brain. This is some of you right here. Come on. Come on. How many of you are the sulkers? You just, you just push it down. You just walk around stuffing it all down on the inside, but you're like a volcano, man. You're ready to erupt, and we don't know if you're ever going to explode, and we're like, hey, how are you? like, I'm fine. How you doing? I'm, I'm, I'll be all right. I'll be all right? And you just push it down, deep down, and it's dangerous because at any moment, you have the potential to explode, and you try to suppress those emotions. You try to suppress that frustration, Can I, I'm about to challenge some of your theology for a second. You know that it's okay to be frustrated. You, you can't live there. You can't stay there. You can't take up residence there. You following me? It was Jesus who said in Ephesians 4, I believe, be angry but do not sin. And some of you, if not careful, you just sulk around. You're like, well, I got it. I'll be all right. I'm okay. And it's dangerous. As many of you, watch this. Many of you, you are, the, you are the stuffer. This is the person similar to the sulker. The sulker kind of walks around doom and gloom. The stuffer continues to push that down. And then for many of you, watch this. You are the litigator. You are the best arguer in your household, and you always win. Litigators, raise your hand. Come on, my hand's going up too. That's me, baby. And nope, nobody wants to even fight with you because you are never wrong. And let me tell, let me tell you, because I, I am a litigator. Kimberly is a peacemaker. Watch this. And, and the one word that will drive a litigator insane is you're always right, aren't you? Come on now. And most litigators won't say it out loud, but on the inside they're like, yes, I am. You better believe I am. But here's the thing about litigators, because this is me, this is my personality. After I win, after I've won, in a moment, in a split second, I realize I didn't win anything. I didn't win anything. And then, and then the other personality, come on, there is the screamer. 
Some of y'all know about this person. Some of y'all looking. I see you looking. You should see. If you could see what I see, they're like. Glad you came to church today. These are the people that just have to yell. Like they, they, they don't have any other dynamic in the volume of their voice. They just yell. Hey, mom, do you think I can go to the movies? Why do you always have to go to the movies? How many of you got a mom like that? Don't really be careful. You always have to go to the movies. You're always going out on Friday night. Are you doing drugs? Mama, just, just, wanted, to go to, just wanted to go to the movies. I'll stay home. You ought to stay home. Okay, they just yell. They just always, always explode. And, and here's what I've learned uh, through experience and, and through some pastoral counseling is if you grew up in a household where there's always this screaming, you probably married a different type of personality or you will marry a different type of personality because you want to get away from all the screaming. I wish I had better news for you, but the truth is this, is that as long as there is family, there's always going to be conflict. And how, how we discover how to handle and process communication will determine how severe the conflict grows. And I want you to hear this for a second. Here's what's so interesting about today's message. While there are a lot of approaches to how we handle conflict, and we just walk through them, peacemakers, sulkers, stuffers, litigators, screamers. Come on, there's a lot of ways to approach conflict. What we're about to learn this morning is that there is really only one source of conflict. Now, there's a lot of ways that we can handle the disagreement. There's a lot of ways that we can respond to the conflict that we're faced with, but there's really only one source of the conflict. And remember again, most of the arguing that's going inside of your household, most of the arguing that's inside of that gap is you're fighting over the symptoms of the issue. You're not treating the root of the problem. You, you can get a cut on your arm and band-aid it, but that doesn't heal the wound. That there's a process to that. And so while there are, are a lot of ways that you can approach and handle conflict, we've got to discover the source of all conflict. And, and watch this. Before I share this with you, you, you need to know this. If we, could, if we could just wrap our minds and wrap our hearts around this one single truth, what we're about to learn today, and if we could all just acknowledge it, and if we could just own it, I'm telling you, as sure as I'm standing in front of you, the, the, the tension and the tone and the conflict level, the emotional level, the, the temperature level in your family would decrease almost immediately. That, that is how powerful this principle is. This, this principle that I'm about to show you, it changes everything. Changes everything if we choose to embrace it. And then that, that's the choice that you and I are faced with this morning. You can embrace the principle and it'll change the dynamic of your family or you can reject this principle and that gap could grow wider and wider and wider apart. Now, I want to show you this. In, in order to show you this principle, I want to introduce you to the brother of Jesus. His name is James. That's right. Je Jesus had a brother a little brother, and his name, his name was James. And I, I think that James probably knew a little bit about conflict in the family. 
Have you ever thought about the pressure that James must have been other, under living as the little brother of Jesus? I mean, could you imagine every time that James had a problem and he'd go to his parents and he'd be like, hey, mom, dad, this is what's going on. And I could just see Mary and Joseph responding, well, what would Jesus do? <laughs> Come on. Well, James, what, what would Jesus do? And they probably gave James a little bracelet. Here, wear this bracelet. Just put this on. And James started selling bracelets. Come on now, just make a little profit, you know. Remember one time at the, at the wedding of Cana? And they, they, ran out of, they ran out of wine. Well, Jesus shows up and he turns water into wine. What you don't read about is the next wedding when Jesus had to leave the party early. And everybody started looking at James. Like, what you going to do? You going to turn into Kool-Aid or something like that, you know? And how many of you got a little brother? You got a little brother, right? And you know, little brothers, they follow, they follow big brother around everywhere, don't they? So I can bet one time James almost drowned. Oh, you just got that joke? <laughs> All right, let's see. But James, Jesus' brother, he writes, he writes a letter to Christians over two thousand years ago and two thousand years ago James introduces us to a principle that is one of the most profound relational insights ever two thousand years ago and now today it's still one of the most profound relational insights ever I want you to see this James chapter 4 verse number 1 he says this what causes fights and quarrels among you? James, James starts off his writing in James chapter 4 with a gut-wrenching reality check question. James, James isn't playing around here. I mean, he gets straight to the point and he says, what is the cause of all of the conflict? Now, if I were brave, I'd say to you, turn to the person you came to church with and tell them the cause of the conflict. But I'm not going to do that because fights would break out all over this church, you know. And here's why. Because we would blame everybody else. And we talked about that, didn't we? And, and I, I told you that, that as long as you blame everybody else, you will always be unhappy. And James, James says, now, what is the cause? What what is the root of all of the fighting, of all of the arguing, of all of the slamming of the doors, of all of the sleeping on the couch, of all of the I'll get a hotel room this weekend, of all of the I'm taking the kids to my parents, of all of the I think we need time off, of all of the hey, son, daughter, it's time to get out of the house. You, you can no longer stay here because you're not abiding under the rules of this house. What? What is the cause of all of that? And now you and I, come on, because we're human, we would say, well, there, there's a lot of things. I mean, we, we fight over a lot of stuff. We fight over stress. We, we, we fight over money. We fight over the kids' curfew. We fight over the holiday schedule. We fight over the in-laws. Not me and Kimberly, by the way. We never fight over our in-laws, by the way. I'm just telling you right now. 
Well, wait, there's a lot of stuff that is the cause of the fight and the quarreling. But James says, watch this. And I, and I say with all due respect, but James isn't trying to be respectful. James says, none of that is true. Every, everything that you try to identify and you try to attach to the cause of the fight, everything that you say, okay, this, this is what and why we're arguing, he says, none of that is true. And he says this, he says, until you understand the source of the conflict, the conflict will never be resolved. Until you get to the heart of the matter, come on, help me out for a minute. The conflict will never be resolved. Watch this. I want you to see this because James lays out this relational principle that is just like, man, he dives in. Watch. He says this. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires? On the count of three, I want you to say my desires. One, two, three. Don't they come from my desires that battle within? you, you got to see this because what he says is better than what I can say. What's the cause of all the fighting? And then he says, don't they come from your desires that you're wrestling with? This is a truth bombshell. He, here's what he's saying. In essence, he's saying this. All the fighting, all the quarreling, all the bickering, all the arguing, all of it, every bit of it comes from something that's deep down on the inside of you. Now, now you and I, you and I, immediately we're going to push back. We've, we've got to push back because, again, we like to play the blame game. And we push back and we say, no, 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 no. All of the fighting, the cause of all of the fighting is because of something that's inside of them. <laughs> James, bro, you ain't like your brother, man, I'm telling you. It's not me. It's them. It's because of something they've done. And James counters that and he says, you are wrong. The source of all of it is something that's on the inside of you. I want, I want you to chew on this thought for a second. Come on. I want, you, I want you to take this thought to heart. You ready? Every single conflict. With every single person that you've ever been in conflict with, especially your family, is because there is a desire on the inside of you that is spilling out on the people around you. I, I, I know this isn't popular preaching, and I understand that, but this is helpful preaching. You hear this, you hear this verse quoted a lot in church. I think it applies so beautifully here. It is the truth that will set us free. And James says every bit of conflict that you've ever been in conflict with, with every person that you've ever argued with, it has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with what's on the inside of you. And what's on the inside of you, it spills out on the people around you. There, there's a desire deep down that is creating conflict with the people around you. And if we were to stop right there, if we shut our Bibles right there, the temperature in your family would decrease immediately. But James ain't done. He goes to verse 2, and this is what he says. You desire, but do not have. You know what he does? James doubles down on reiterating this truth. He says every time there's a conflict in your house, every time there's an argument in your marriage, 
every time there's a disagreement with your children, it's because you want something that you don't have. Or you wanted something that you did not get. And I can, I can hear the temperature in this room. It's not, it's not something that I want. It's what I deserve. It's their obligation. They, they promised me. They, they made a covenant, a vow. We got married. Say what you want. But every single time that there is conflict between you and somebody in your family, there is something that you want that you do not have. You didn't get your way. My God, I'm preaching to JC right now. I know I'm running out of time, but i got to tell you this. Earlier in the week, we were setting up for my little girl's birthday party, and Kimberly gave me an assignment. She said, I want you to set up the backyard, put up the inflatable, the chairs, the tables, the games. So I put it all out there. I worked really hard on that backyard, and it was exactly how I wanted it. And Kimberly, I went inside and said, come look at this. Come see what I've done. Sweat from my brow. Come on, somebody. And she walked outside. You know what she said? Um, the tables need to go there. The bounce house needs to go there. Uh, you need to move those games over there. And you know what I said? I, I never can do anything. That was my response. Now, I know what you're thinking. How silly. But you've had those moments. And in that moment, and she walked inside as a peacemaker. She's like, it'll be fine. <laughs> I'm telling you, when she shut the door in my backyard, I'm like, ah! just come yell at me. Watch this. Listen. And in that moment, here's what I thought. I thought, I'm upset. Why? Because I didn't get something that I wanted. That's something as simple as putting together a, a backyard birthday bash. But every conflict, every quarrel is because you desire, but you do not have. And watch what he says. You need to see this. This is going to be liberating for somebody who chooses to receive it. Watch what he says. So you kill. Now you need to see this. James wrote this over 2,000 years ago to Christians. He wasn't writing to prisoners on death row. So he's using hyperbole. And he, here's what he's saying. Watch. Somebody hear me. He's saying, you're fighting and you're arguing because you desire but you don't have. You're not getting your way. So you kill. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Come on, somebody. And whether you choose to receive this or not, here's what you and I do. Here, here's what we do. If you and I want something so badly or we want something badly enough, we are willing to hurt the people that we care about the most in order to get our way and to get what we want. And so we kill. We kill. We say things that we shouldn't say. We respond in ways that we shouldn't say. And yet, hey, I'm trying to help you, but we constantly justify it, don't we? We, we, defend, our, uh, we defend our posture. We, we defend our our foolishness, and, and we say, yeah, but I just want what's best for my spouse. I just want what's best for my, for my children. I want my kids to reach their full potential, but you're lying to yourself because it is never about them. It's always about you. 
You want something from them, and if you want it badly enough, you will destroy them. You will tear them down. You'll hurt them. And all for what? In an attempt to win? Listen to me, church. Think about it. The whole time you're arguing and yelling and screaming and nagging and sending those rude text messages, leaving those ugly notes, saying those hurtful words, you're telling yourself, it's for them. It's for them. It's for them. But James, the brother of Jesus, he says, nope. You desire. You do not have. And so you kill. Watch what he says. He keeps going. Everybody good? Watch what he says. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and you fight. And watch this. We're right back to where he began. We're, we're right back to where he started. James, why, why can't we get along with our family? James, why can't I get along with my wife? Why can't I get along with my husband? Why, why can't I get along with my sister or my brother? Because all of, watch this. He says, because all of you want something from the other person that they don't have the potential to give to you. Here's what he's saying. I want somebody to hear this. He's saying, you are trying to squeeze something out of someone that they don't have the capacity to give to you in the first place. Watch. He says, everything that you need does not come from the other person. Everything that you need comes from Jesus alone. Come on, somebody say amen. And he says, you covet, but you cannot get what you want. You can't get, this is huge. I'm telling you, what if, what if in the middle of an argument, what if in the middle of a fight, as a matter of fact, here's better advice. What if before the conflict even began, we paused and we took a deep breath and we recognized what part of the issue is this. I'm not getting what I want. This is a game changer. See, in an ideal family, in a perfect family, there would be a pause. A pause before the hard conversation. A pause before the conflict. Wasn't it James who said that we should be slow to speak? That there should be, there should be a pause. Listen to me, there needs to be hard conversations. I'm not saying that. There needs to be sit-down conversations, tough conversations that need to be had. But watch this. Before you go into that room, you need to go into the upper room. Before, before you go into that hard conversation, there needs to be a come to Jesus meeting. There has to be a personal conversation with God. Before you attack them, you first have to get on your knees and say, God, I just want to recognize whatever it is that I want. I want to recognize whatever it is that I want before I go and attack them. I want to handle it here before I take it over there. God, do in me right here in this moment what you need to do so that I don't take it out on the people that I love. Because every time we fight, every time you argue, it's because you're not getting your way. And I'm guilty too. Could you imagine if in the middle of an argument your husband said, stop got to be honest. I'm being really selfish right now. I'm not getting my way. Could you imagine if in the middle of a disagreement, they said, hey, honey, listen to me. I'm being really self-centered right now. 
Could you imagine? I know what you're thinking. This is silly. It's not silly. This is how the truth sets us free. To call it what it is. To pause. Could you imagine if in a disagreement with your children, if your teenage son or daughter said, Mom, Dad, I'm going to be really honest with you. I'm just really greedy. And I'm, I'm not getting what I want. Some of you are laughing like, that ain't never going to happen. Well, well, if that's the mentality, then you're choosing to settle. I'm not trying to be hard. I'm trying to be honest. That we have to pause. And we have to have a conversation with God before we have a conversation with everybody else. And there are people here and watching online, you're thinking, man, I, I wish that my wife could hear this message. I wish my husband could hear this message. I wish my parents could hear this message. And, and isn't that the problem? There, there you go again. I wish they could and he could and she could. Watch, you're going out to the media center and buying CDs and downloading the sermon, sharing it with everybody else. And James is like, hey, I'm, I'm talking to you. Here's what he says, watch. You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask this is a strategy shift. Say, God, before I have this conversation with whomever, I need to have a conversation with you. And I need to, you want to know why there's a gap in your family? Because you're not asking God to close it. You want to know why you're fighting all the time? Because you're not asking God to do a heart check here first. Because you keep trying to blame everybody else. James says, before you go in there yelling and screaming and doing what you do all the time, has it occurred to you to get on your knees and pour your heart out to God and say, God, there is something that I want from my husband, from my wife, from my son, from my daughter, from my parents, and I'm not getting it. And James says, you're so wound up. and You fight all the time. But you aren't getting it because you're not asking God for it. And here's what some of you are saying. I pray all the time. You're praying the wrong prayers. Your prayers are this. God, fix them. God, change them. God, touch them. Help them. It's the wrong prayer. And James says it like this. He goes on in verse 3. He says, when you ask and you do not receive because you ask with what? Wrong motives. Wrong motives. I got to close. Has it ever occurred to you that maybe you're not getting what you want because you're trying to squeeze something out of somebody that they can't give to you in the first place? Here's the question I'm leaving you with, and you have to wrestle through this. you got to wrestle through this in your own heart, in your own life. Watch. Who in my family is suffering because I'm not getting my way who are you hurting? Who are you destroying? Who are you killing? Because you're not getting your way. In that moment, as silly as it may seem, standing in the backyard and my wife said, just move the tables here, move them there. I pouted like a toddler. All because I didn't get what I wanted. Come on. Really? Seriously? And I think if you answered this question honestly, you would recognize that, that many people in your family, they are suf suffering 
because you're not getting what you want. What, what would happen if you said, I'm sorry? What would happen if you repented? What would happen if you wrote them a letter? Or you made a phone call? One of the things that breaks my heart so much is seeing families go holiday after holiday and they don't get together because of a family feud. Come on, really? Generations are going to suffer because you're not getting what you want? Is it worth all of that? What if you had them over for a cup of coffee and you just started walking through this? And I know, again, dynamics are different, so you need to navigate gracefully and carefully. But come on, people are suffering and family members are suffering all because you're not getting what you want. You know why there's conflict in your family? Because we're selfish. We're self-centered. And James says, it's time to change. It's time to have a different way of thinking. And it's time to stop putting you first. Lay down the gloves. Stop the yelling. And put Jesus first. Will you stand with me all around this room? And as you stand, if this word has been a help to you, can you just give Jesus the best round of applause you've got? Come on, every hand lifted high. We're out of time. I apologize, but let's take just a moment. Come on, 30 seconds. No singing just yet. Just have a conversation with the Lord. I'm going to go back to this question so you can see it here. Come on, who's suffering in your family because you're not getting your way? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on. Let's start here with repentance in our heart. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for being selfish. I'm sorry for being self-centered. I'm sorry for pushing my own agenda. I'm sorry for always making it about me. I'm sorry for the way that I handled these situations. God, I, I'm sorry. Like, I, it's on me. I keep blaming everybody else. But deep down on the inside, I've got things that I've got to work through. It's not his fault. It's not her fault. It's not their fault. It's on me. Today is on me. And I've got to take ownership and responsibility of my issues. Go church, I'm handing this over to your campus pastor, David Waldrop, from now on. You have your own service from the remainder here. For those of us here, though, come on, don't leave this room without first having a hard conversation with God. To say, fix me now. Reveal in my heart now what the source of the conflict is because I'm tired of abusing my family. I'm tired of taking it out on my family. I'm tired of pointing the finger at my family. It's on me. It's a desire that I'm not getting, and I've got to fix it. Come on. Prayer team is coming. They're going to stand in what we call the altar, the front of this church. They're going to sing this song for just a moment. If you need prayer, I invite you to come. For the rest of you, before you leave, if you'll just enter into a time of worship just for a moment, and then we'll do one final prayer as closing as a family, and then you'll be dismissed. Come on, every hand lifted if you feel comfortable. Can we sing this out today? And let's just take a moment and remember that because God loved us, we can love others. Come on, church. I was your foe, still your love fought for me. Thank you, Jesus. You have been so, so good to me. Come on, here we go. No worth, you paid it all for me. You have been.
Come on, here we go, over your family. Holy, overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love, God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the night Come on, here we go. I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it. Here, come on. Oh, the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the night. Listen to it. I couldn't earn, I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Holy, overwhelming, never ending, reckless love. Father, we thank you for that promise over our lives personally and over our family today. God, I pray that as your people, your children, your sons and daughters leave this room and they go back into the reality of their homes and their household. I pray that today that they would come into a face-to-face -face moment with the source of the conflict. We're wrestling with something on the inside of us. And I pray that as we face this, as we choose to face this, that healing would come into our homes today and into our hearts and that we would refuse to settle. We pray all of these things in one name because it is the name of Jesus that carries all authority and together everybody said amen and amen. Come on, the best praise you've got for Jesus in this place. Come on. Oh, no, you can do better. Come on, somebody declare it over your family. Yeah. Hey, our prayer team is here. If you need prayer, come. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week in Jesus' name.